Good evening, everyone. Welcome to City of Hope Church Wednesday Night Word. Uh, it's good to be with you wherever you're at this evening. Uh, over the next few weeks here on Wednesday nights, we want to be bringing you a word. And for the next month or so throughout July, at least, uh, we're going to focus in on prayer because I believe it's important uh, now more than ever that we begin to develop a prayer life uh, individually, but also as a body collectively and as a church. And it's just important to make sure that our prayer life is in order, that our relationship with God is in order. So like I said, over the next uh, few Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, we're going to continue to bring a word to you concerning prayer. And we'd even discussed, you know, just making this available for people so that they could possibly invite people into their homes and create uh, small groups around it so that you could come together, you could listen to the message, you could discuss it, you could pray with one another, maybe even you could eat together. But that's, that's something that you can uh, do at your own discretion, whatever you decide. But it's, it's important that even though uh, we're dealing with uh, different things with the coronavirus and Clay County's a hot spot and all that stuff, but I still believe it's important for us uh, to have fellowship together in some form or fashion. Uh, one of the other plans that I want to tell you about as, as we move forward is, is that in, in the coming weeks, uh, this starting this week specifically, we're going to continue to be having an online service available for you. But for those who, who are willing and would like to, we're going to have a parking lot service on Sunday mornings at 1030. So, so you'll have two options. If you feel like staying at home uh, and, and, and not coming out, then there will be an online service. Or if you just can't make it, I know we have a lot, lot of listeners that uh, just can't make it because they're, they're physically distant. So 10.30 a.m., we're going to have an online service available. But for those of you who can make it, we're going to be in our parking lot having a service outdoors. And I know it's going to be a wonderful time. Be sure to bring a lawn chair or something to set. You can socially distance. And I would just urge people, you know, right now I'm having a lot of conversations with people about this whole situation. And I would just encourage people to, if, 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 you're, if you're more concerned about the coronavirus and not spreading it, obviously you, it may be better for you to stay home or, or, or distance yourself and, and, and whatever you choose, but, but don't shame those who, who decide to come or decide to have church. And then on the other end, uh, if you're not concerned at all about it, um, it's important for you to, to go ahead and gather, but also respect people's space and not shame those who are a little bit more concerned about it. But just show grace to everyone and be cooperative with everyone. And I think we'll get through this thing just fine. But again, Wednesdays, we're going to be talking about prayer, giving a word here. And then Sunday, we're going to have online service, but we're also going to be having service in our parking lot at 1030 a.m. We'll get you parked. You can get out of your vehicle, sit in a lawn chair, or you can remain in your vehicle, whatever you choose. But we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to seeing you uh, this Sunday. Uh, so this first message that I want to speak to you on Wednesday night here is I want to speak to you about personal prayer and building a personal prayer life with God, Because when we talk about a relationship with God, I mean, ultimately, that's what we're talking about. When you are a Christian, it means you have a relationship with the living God. And if you have a relationship with anybody, if I have a relationship with my wife, with one of my friends, with somebody here in the church, the only way that relationship actually works is through communication. And anytime a relationship begins to break down, often one of the main reasons that it breaks down is because there is a lack of communications. There, 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 there's not a sharing of life. There's not a sharing of thoughts. There's not a sharing of feelings. And you can't get a read on somebody when they're not communicating with you. So you begin to question. You begin to wonder. Love is built on communication. Relationships are built on communication. And prayer 
is the root of our relationship with God. It is the foundation of our relationship with God. And so when we begin a life of prayer and we begin uh, developing a personal prayer in our own lives, the first point that I want to make to you is that we have to build a history with God. We build a history with God. There are things that we go through. There are moments that actually mark our life, that we, we start praying, we start seeking the Lord at some point in our life. And as we're going through our lives, we have encounters with the Lord. We have experiences with the Lord. We experience answered prayer and we build history with God. Now, it's not always the case that you see the supernatural happen or you see uh, uh, just, just crazy things happen that impact your life. But there are moments that mark our life. And, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a forewarning. I'm going to share some personal stories. This is almost going to be more of like a testimonial uh, type thing here on prayer. And then I'll get into teaching more in the weeks to come. But I'm going to teach some tonight. But I'll, I'll tell you, my, my prayer life really began when I was young. My mom, my mom taught me uh, to pray some, some prayers like the Lord's Prayer and different things like that. And so I prayed those. I would recite those because she had taught me those prayers. But as I got older and, 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 and I moved away from God, but as I, as I, as I started to really uh, seek the Lord in the beginning, my prayer life was birthed from Scripture. Now, I was living, uh, like I said, away from God, a lifestyle apart from God. But there was something that led me to the Bible. And when I started reading scripture, there was a deep conviction in my heart. And all of a sudden it gave birth to prayer in my life because scripture always gives birth to faith and faith always gives birth to prayer. Uh, faith is an assurance of things that you cannot see. And when you are assured of the fact that there is a God, that he is working on your behalf and that he is in the unseen realm and there's spiritual warfare going on around you, that there are angels and demons at work and that there's a spiritual reality, that is faith. You have an assurance of the unseen things in your world and it causes there to be a birth of prayer in your heart. And you begin to call upon God because you begin to understand that when you pray, it affects things in the unseen world. But it begins, it begins with the word. Now, a lot of people will say, well, Clay, how do, you, how do you develop, you know, a life in the word? And there are a million different things I could say. I don't want to get into that. But sometimes when it comes to the word of God, let me just tell you this. The best advice I can give you is what Nike gives. And that is you just have to do it. You just choose to do it. And, and, and why would you say that? Because here's the thing. I don't have to tell somebody to eat. They know that they need to eat in order to stay alive. And the problem with people today in the scripture is that they think that they can live without it. And I'm telling you that you cannot have a spiritual life without the word of God. It is to our spirits what food is to our bodies. It is our daily bread. And without the word of God in our life, you cannot live spiritually. But when you begin to feed your spirit the word of God, it gives birth to prayer. You start to exhale in prayer as you inhale the word of God and breathe it in. So that's, that's how it begins. So when I started beginning to read the Bible for the first time when I was about 20 years old, I was deeply convicted. And I can remember specifically, I'm not sure why, because I read a lot of different things. But for whatever reason, Matthew 6 really marked my life. And Matthew 6, 6 says this. Jesus says to his disciples, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret 
will re reward you openly. Now, I took that verse very, very seriously because there was even a time in my life when I would go into my room. One translation, I think the King James Version says closet. But I had a closet and I had a King James Version. I took it very seriously. I had a closet at that time. I cleared a space. And every day after work, when I get off work at like 430, I would come home and I would go into that closet there for a season. And, and, and I would stay in that closet, man, for sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours. Sometimes I'd be in the pitch black dark so I wouldn't see anything. My eyes would be closed, but I would spend time in prayer. And what was developing in my heart is I had this understanding that if I would do this in secret with just me and God, I would start to build a personal relationship with God. It wasn't about anybody else. My relationship wasn't even founded on going to church or doing some sort of ritual, even though those are very good things. My relationship relationship with God was built upon my personal experience with him in the secret place where no one else was involved. And see, we have to have those aspects of our Christian life working together. We got to be in corporate community and fellowship. It's essential. And that's one of the reasons that I'm really not a huge fan of online church because it breaks down the interconnectedness that the body of Christ has to have. It breaks down the fellowship that people have to have with one another. And even though it's a good thing, it's a good outreach, it's a good way to reach people. Man, we've got to have that connectedness with people. But even beyond that, at the root, the foundation of your relationship with God has to be something personal that really nobody else knows about. It's something with you and God in the secret place. And he says, when you pray to him in secret, he is going to reward you openly. He says the same thing about fasting in Matthew 6, 16. He said, moreover, when you fast... Don't be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. And surely I say to you, he said, they have their reward. Their reward is simply the applaud of man. Why look at them? They're a good Christian. They come to church. They went on the, on the fast at the beginning of the year. When people can see it, there's a, there's a temptation in our hearts to get applause and praise from them rather than the, the, the praise that comes from God. But he says, they have their reward, but when you fast... Anoint your head, wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. Your father is in the secret place. And when you pray, when you fast, when you give secretly, he sees it and he sees that the motives of your heart are for him and for him alone. And you begin to build a personal history with God. He begins to move. He begins to do some things. And you begin to understand that if you ask, you're going to receive. If you seek, you're going to find. If you knock, the door is going to be open to you. Now, my heart got fixed on this reality. I said, all right, the word says that if I seek the Lord with all of my heart, I'm going to find him. The word says that if I seek God in the secret place, if I pray and fast in the secret place, he's going to reward me openly. And I got to be honest with you, I was, I was looking for reward. There's, God says that those who seek him, those who, who come to him must come to him in faith, believing that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's okay to desire a reward when you seek God, but I want you to understand that the reward is God himself. More than anything else, he'll reward you with a lot of things. But the greatest reward from your relationship with God is God himself. That's what he wants to give you. And he is going to reward you openly. My heart got fixed on this reality. And when I first began to pray, I was dealing with different addictions. I was living in Richmond. I was living in college. I had tons of struggles. I had a lot of fears, had a lot of different things going on. And I knew that I needed to repent and turn to God and turn from my sins and change my life, but I did not have the power to do it. 
So I read these scriptures and I said, all right, Lord, I'm ready. On Christmas Day, I was actually in Orlando, Florida with my family and we were at Disney World. And, th and that day, for whatever reason, I said, God, I'm going to fast. I didn't eat the whole day for 24 hours. And I prayed and I asked the Lord, I said, God, I don't want to be at the place I'm in now. I said, I don't even know if I'm saved, but I want to be saved. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to not only do that, God, but I want you to bring me out of the place that I'm in. I want you to change my life. I want you to make me new. I want to follow you. And I said that, and really nothing happened in the beginning, but it started a relationship. It started a personal history with God, and there were moments that marked my life. Now notice this thing. It says that He rewards you openly because in Matthew 7, 11, here's what it says about prayer. It says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, it's interesting because the word openly, when it says in Matthew 6 that your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly, it's, it's a word that means manifestly or manifestation. It's the same word that in 1 Corinthians 12, when the, when the Bible talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it says that there is a manifestation of the Spirit that is given to each person. And then there's, there's so there's words of wisdom, there's words of knowledge, there's, there's discerning of spirits, there's gifts of miracles and gifts of healings and, and prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues. There, there are these gifts because what God wants to give you openly is He wants to gift you with His Spirit and with the gifts of the Spirit to begin to use you for His glory and to begin to, to use you to impact people's lives. That's, those are one of the things that God wants to give you. He wants to give good gifts to His children and He wants to give them to you openly so that you experience them. If you pray in private, then God is going to use you in public. That's, that's just the reality of, of, of the Christian life. And in Luke 11, he says it this way. In the same context, Jesus is talking about it, but he says, if, then, if you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Notice you've got to ask Him. You've got to come in prayer. You've got to be in a receive mode. But He wants to give gifts to His children. He wants to give the Holy Spirit to His children so that they can be filled with His love, with the fruits of the Spirit, with joy, with peace, but also with the gifts of the Spirit, with the power of God to use them in ways that they never could have been used before. And He also wants to destroy the bondages and the strongholds in your life that's going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. And He's telling us to ask for those things. Now, they can be easily overlooked and forgotten. And, and here's the thing, too. I want to say this because I'm getting ready to share with you some big moments in my life when God did radical things and, and things changed drastically in my life and there were big things that happened. And sometimes when people share their testimony, nobody gets up and shares a testimony and says, well, you know, here's the mundane part of it. But here's what I want you to understand. There are big moments that my wife and I have had in our relationship. We can go back, we can tell you about those moments. And when we tell stories, we're going to tell you about those moments most likely. They're, they're, they're big moments. But how we got to those big moments, the reason we got to our marriage, and we can remember that and tell you about that moment, is because there was the seemingly mundane day-to-day -day relationship building in which almost nothing or things that you would easily overlook happen. Because these big moments with God are built upon the foundation of a day-to-day -day relationship. It's going out and spending time with God in prayer. And you pray and you talk to God. And it's almost like you seem... 
if you were to evaluate it, you would say, well, nothing happened. I just went out and I talked to God. And it seems mundane, but you are building history, you're building relationship, and it leads you to moments that are transforming, that impact your life, that bring an enormous amount of change. And so those moments shape your life. Those moments build history with God where you can go back and you can say personally, I prayed, I sought the Lord, and then all of a sudden this happened. I prayed, I sought the Lord, and God gave me this revelation. I prayed, I sought the Lord, and this change happened in my life. But it came because you had a day-to-day relationship with Him where if anybody was looking, it would look like nothing was happening. But something was happening on the inside of you. Now, I can take you to the moment when I was, I was, I was ready to repent. I, I'd been 11 months seeking God, trying to change, remaining in bondage to sin, remaining in addictions, remaining in so many struggles. And I came to an end point where I was so sick, I was so tired of it. And, and, and I asked the Lord some things. But, 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 but actually, the first, the first thing that I did, I, 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 I kind of skipped one there. But the first thing that I did when I was ready to change and repent before God brought massive change into my life was I remember I was sitting on my bed in my house. I was about 20 years old. And, and I was reading all kinds of different books, man. I was reading New Age Religion. I was reading books by atheists. Uh, and I had books laying all around uh, my floor. Uh, and, and, I, and I was trying out different things. And I, at the same time, I was also reading the Bible because I was in a pursuit of truth. And I remember reading in Proverbs and it said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Of course, it says, but fools hate wisdom and they despise knowledge. And, and, and so I read that and I said, Lord, I realize that I've got no wisdom. I'm so confused. I don't know what's going on in the world. And I cried out. Here's the first prayer that I cried out that I want to give you. I said, Lord, teach me to fear you. Now, this is not a prayer that a lot of people are praying today because they don't like the the idea that this entails. But man, people fear so many things. But the one thing that they don't fear today is God in a holy, reverential way. And it's not that you're afraid of God, but it's that you understand that He is all-powerful and that He is holy and that He is pure. And ultimately, you are only going to be judged by Him. And that's the only thing that's going to matter. And I said, Lord, I have no wisdom. Teach me to fear you. And God is my witness. Whenever I said that out of my mouth, there was a lightning bolt that struck outside of my window. And it was one that just sort of shook the house. Now, like I said, I'm telling you big moments, but these are not things that happen regularly. But they are my history with God because I've been praying for months up to this point. And when I said this to God with all of my heart, boom, something happened. There was a lightning bolt that struck, shook the house. And there was just this overwhelming sense of awe that came over me. And in that moment, it was as if the Holy Spirit said to me, son, you need to lay aside all of these books that you're reading. You need to read this one book. And it was the Bible that was in my hands. And I committed myself to reading that book. And when I did, man, I was building relationship with God. I was building history to God. I can take you to the other moment when I finally got sick of it. I'd been seeking God after that moment for a few more months. And man, I, I continued to fail. I'd go back, went back to bad habits that I didn't want to go back to. And finally, I just came to a breaking point. And I remember after a night of doing something that I didn't want to do at all, I come home, I'm in my bedroom in the morning. And I told the Lord, I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I do not want to live anymore if I cannot live the way that your word is telling me I'm supposed to live. And I said this prayer right here. I said, take my life. 
If I can't live, I don't want to live if I can't live the way that you're asking me to live. So I said, take my life. And in that moment, Jesus showed up in that room. And I can promise you there were things that I felt that were in me that were breaking out. And in that moment, I was set free from, from, from addictions to drugs, addictions to alcohol, addictions to pornography, all sorts of different things. Hate, hate and bitterness that I was hanging on to. It was as if it just broke out of me. I began to weep. I had a revelation of Jesus that I had never had before. And that was a moment that absolutely changed my life. There were things that I could not get free from that after that I was completely free from, never bound to again. And that was the moment that God filled me with his spirit. And I just began to, be, to overflow with his love and to begin to overflow with this, this purpose. And that knowing that I was called in that moment into something. And at that point, I wasn't even really a part of a local church, but he moved me into it in that moment. I can tell you to another time when I was called to preach and I was so afraid. You guys cannot imagine how afraid I was. And again, I'd been building personal prayer life. I had spent so much time, man. I would take prayer walks. I would, I would, I would, I had a CD, a worship CD that would play for about one hour exactly. I would play that CD. I would lay down on my face in my bedroom and I would pray until that CD quit playing. And, and I, just, just, to, just to make sure that I spent time saturating myself in, in, in prayer. And, and, and I committed myself to those types of things. And I would go out into a field where my, where my sister lived and just walk with a dog named Samson, man, for, for sometimes hours, reading the Bible, praying, worshiping God out in the field, lifting my hands. I was developing this relationship with God. But when I was called to preach I was so scared I felt so inadequate and it was an overwhelming fear I mean it kept me up at night with this overwhelming fear so I said to the Lord I said Lord I'm going to pray I'm going to fast I went on a three-day fast and here's what I said to the Lord during this fast and this is this is pretty, pretty I said help me God I cannot do this alone Man, that's a good prayer for anybody. Help me, God. I can't do this alone. If you're calling me to this, I'm going to need some form of supernatural help to get through this. And God loves it when we're in this position, when we're praying this prayer. And so for three days, I prayed and I fasted. And on the third night, on the third night, I went to sleep and I had this dream. And in the dream, I was in a coliseum. It was so strange, and, and, I, and I was at the bottom of this huge flight of stairs, and on each side of the stairs there were people with their Bibles in their hands, and their Bibles opened up, and, and, and I, I'm carrying my Bible in my hand, and I'm wondering, why am I, where am I going? I'm walking up this flight of stairs, and people on each side opening their Bibles, reading them, and just looking at me. I got my Bible. I get to the top of the stairs in this dream. And at the top of the stairs is Jesus himself. And he doesn't say anything to me. He smiles at me. He takes my Bible out of my hands. He opens it to 2 Timothy 2.15 and he reads it to me. He says, study to show yourself approved, a workman unto God that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He closed it and he put his hand on me to pray for me and I woke up. And when I woke up the following morning after three days of prayer and fasting, I felt that fear lift up off of me. Now, don't get me wrong. I still get fearful and anxious sometimes whenever, I, whenever I'm going to preach or speak in front of people because there's just a natural tendency to do that. But, but after that, there was this knowledge and awareness that, okay, okay, I'm going to be okay. God's going to give me supernatural strength. He's going to give me supernatural ability. And from that moment, I realized I've got to dive into the Word of God because God is trying to prepare me for the calling that He has upon my life. And that marked me. That was a history. I was building history with God. So after that, I spent pretty much the next year just, just reading the Word of God like you wouldn't believe, spending hours a day in, in, in studying the Word, in prayer, 
And I felt like the Lord had called me to do that, to take a year. I had a little bit of money, you know, to myself. And of course, at that point, I was young. I was 21 years old and I was living at my dad's house. But I, but I, took, I took a year and, and, uh, and I just prayed and, and I read the word of God. I spent time doing that. And at the end of that year, I remember I, w I needed some money for something and I, I didn't have anything because at that current time, I, like I said, I'd just been, been spending so much time in the word alone because I felt like that's what God had asked me to do. So I went to the church that I was at and, and I went in there and I would go in there. The pastor would give me a key. I'd go in there all the time and pray. I'd pray through the night sometimes. I'd pray in the night. And that particular night I went there late, about 11 p.m. And I literally sat in there and I prayed until 6 a.m. And, uh, and I prayed to 6 a.m. And one of the things that I pray, prayed was I said, Lord, you know, I went through this season. I don't know what's next. I said, but, but I need provision. I need you to show me what to do. I need you to show me what's next. And, and Lord, right now I need a little bit of money because, because I don't have anything. And I asked him, here's the prayer that I prayed. I said, Lord, be my provision. Be my provision for my future and what's going forward and be my provision financially because if I'm going to do what you've called me to do, I'm realizing I'm probably ain't going to make much money. And, and I said that and the Lord marked me with this because I went home at 6 a.m. that following morning. Somebody had gotten into the, in, into the mailbox and they had brought it to me and it was an envelope with my name on it. It had no postage or anything else, just an envelope with my name on it. I opened it up. There was a $1,000 cash $1,000 cash, 10 $100 bills, and it, a note in there. I still got this note in my office at the house that said, all things are possible to him who believes. And in that moment, God marked my life, and it was as if the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Son, if you're willing to do what I ask you to do, I will always be your provision. And see, that was history building with God. Now, all of those are highlights but they took place because I was building daily relationship. Nobody, it's like Instagram, man. Nobody gets up and testifies about, about the weak stuff that happens or the, you know what, I just spent three hours in prayer and didn't hear anything. Nobody shares that. But those are moments that you have to do. You have to go through that time of building relationship in order to have those moments that mark your life. So if that's true, then secondly, number two, you, you don't just build a history, but you build a habit of prayer. You build a habit of prayer. And most people say, well, I, I just don't have the time. But if God is truly number one in your life, you cannot make excuses. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give God a ton of time, but you do have to give him some exclusive time when it's just him. Now, I want you to understand this, that prayer does not waste your time. Prayer saves you time. Every time I feel like I don't have time and I don't pray, man, my days become laborious. I don't have the answers when I need them. If I'm trying to come up with a message from God, I can't come up with it on my own strength. But if I will spend time in prayer, it's like everything begins to flow all of a sudden. All of a sudden I have the revelation. All of a sudden I know what I need to do. And it feels like I have more time in the day because I gave more time to God in prayer to begin with. Prayer does not waste your time. It will save you time if you will commit to it. There was a woman named Susanna Wesley. She was John Wesley's uh, mother, and John Wesley is a famous theologian, but he, he, he moved and operated in the 1700s in a great awakening, saw thousands, hundreds of thousands of people uh, come to the Lord in his ministry. And Susanna Wesley had 19 kids. All kind, imagine that. People say, I ain't got time. I got kids. I got stuff like that. woman had 19 kids. And she was so devoted to the Lord that she said, Lord, for whatever hour I have spent giving myself to entertainment, I'm going to give that to you now in prayer. 
And she told her kids, she said, now, children, if I have my apron up over my head, that means I'm not to be bothered. I'm in prayer. And so two times a day, at least, she would pull her apron up over her head and she devoted two hours a day every day with all, all of the things that she had to do to prayer with God, even with her children in the house. And John Wesley learned that from her because he said, this man traveled on horseback, preached over 40,000 sermons in his lifetime, saw a mass movement of God, developed all kinds. You can't imagine how many leaders, how many pastors. But he said, I have so much to do in a day, I cannot help but spend two hours in prayer every morning before I get my day started. And you could go back to where he lived and there are literally, there's in the wood on the floor where there's, there's a rug and there are two worn spots where his knees would be every, every day for two hours in the morning because he built a habit in prayer and you've got to build a habit in prayer. We need to build a habit in prayer. And I'd like to challenge you to spend one hour a day in the Word and prayer. You could break that up. Now, you don't have to spend an hour. I'm just saying to challenge you because Jesus said this. He said in Matthew 26, 40, it says, Then he came with his disciples and found them sleeping and, and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Even if you just do it one time a week. Even if just one time a week you say, Lord, this hour, I'm giving it to you. I'm making a date. And some of you say, Well, gosh, man, an hour in prayer, Clay, that's a lot. Now, y'all spend six hours on Facebook a day. I mean, check, check your screen time. And I ain't saying that to be mean. I'm just saying that to be honest. You you have time to pray. It's just a matter of making it, uh, making it a priority in your life. He says, could you not watch with me one hour? Could you not spend this time in prayer? And the next verse is this. It says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It, we have to battle our flesh when it comes to prayer because our flesh is going to tell us this isn't going to be powerful. You're not going to see anything happen. You're not going to experience anything. But the spirit is crying out for you to begin this prayer. In Acts 3, 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to temple at the hour of prayer. If you read the book of Acts, what you will see over and over again is that there would be prayer and then God would move in a miraculous way. There would be prayer and then God would move in a miraculous way. It is throughout the book of Acts because it shows us and demonstrates to us that there is a direct correlation between our prayer life and the move of God in our lives. That's just the way that it is. In Ecclesiastes 10.10, 10, notice what it says. It says, If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength, but wisdom brings success. Now, many of us, we find that in our spiritual life, it feels like we're getting nowhere. It feels like nothing's happening. We hear good testimonies and we think, well, man, why doesn't that happen to me? And the truth is we have a dull axe. I've even noticed in my ministry that a lot of times I start to get dry. I start to like be searching for a word to preach. I got no fire in my spirit. And it's because my axe is dull because my prayer life is beginning to weaken. And sometimes what I've got to do is just intentionally set time apart to spend, de devote time in prayer and even fasting if need be to sharpen the axe and then all of a sudden if I will pray and fast things will come to me easily there'll be a fire in my spirit there'll be something that just begins to flow out of me because my axe is sharpened through prayer and a lot of us we don't see success in prayer because our axe is dull we don't see success in our spiritual life because our axe is dull and prayer and fasting is going to sharpen that axe and give us the resolve and the power that we need and lastly number three I want you to take risks in prayer. So we want to build a history with God. We want to build a habit in prayer. And we want to take risks in prayer. 
Paul Cho is a guy, he's a pastor in South Korea. He got a church of 830,000 members. You can, you can Google him or, or whatever and find him, find him there. But he's about 84 years old now, I think. But he, he's, got, he's written some books. He's a pretty amazing man. But he said, that, he said this, he said that when he would come into his office, he had become so popular in South Korea, when he would come into his office, sick people would come in because they would believe, you know, if he would just pray for them, that they would be healed. And he said this, he said, what I noticed was if I had been up that morning and in prayer and in tune with the Spirit of God, some of those people that I would come in contact with and I would pray for them, he said they would just be healed instantly and effortlessly. He said that, that's what would happen. But he said, if I, I noticed when my prayer life was, was not as much and I got focused on business meetings and administration and all these things and, I, and my prayer life was weak, he said, nothing would happen. I wouldn't see anything happen with them. And see, that's, that's, that's the thing that you've got to understand is we have got to learn to focus on spiritual things more than we even do administrative things or planning. Those things are all important and they are necessary. But this man has a church of 830,000. Can you imagine the planning, the strategy? But he says he prays every day, three hours a day without fail, refuses to do anything else. And because of that, God has blessed him and favored him. Do not let the devil lie to you and tell you that somehow if you pray, you're going to be wasting your time. You've got more important things to do. No, prayer is the most important thing that you can do. And you have got to prioritize it. If you're seeking to be used by God in any capacity, there is always going to be a direct correlation between your prayer life and how effectively God can use you. I wish it weren't that way. I wish I could just sit back and eat tater chips and watch TV and come in and God use me powerfully and see amazing things happen. But I have noticed in my ministry and in my life when I have seen God do miracles, when I've seen God bring transformation into people's lives, it has been directly in correlation with the fact that I have been in prayer. There are mo I've never been in a season of prayer and fasting, whether it be a day or three days or seven days or longer. I've never done that, even though I hated it and it was uncomfortable, but I've never done that and gotten done and said, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Because I'm always happy that I did because God always does something in the middle of it. He always gives me some form of revelation. He always moves me into a place. I can, I can tell you that the moments I've prayed for people and I've seen miracles. I've seen people be set free and delivered. I've seen a few people get healed. Now, I got to be honest with you. There's a lot of times that I don't see those things. And sometimes I'm even nervous about telling the testimony because I know there's so many people with such unbelief that honestly, I don't want to bring any boast to me because I know that I'm nothing. And I cannot tell you the number of times that I've I've took risks in prayer and failed, but there have been moments when I've been praying, I've been fasting. I said, God, I want you to use me. And, and in a public place or where I'm at or where somebody's at, God has sent me to them and my heart would begin to beat. I know this is the moment and I have prayed for people and, I have, and I've taken a risk, been nervous, been scared, doubted whether anything would happen, but I've taken a leap of faith. I've taken a risk in prayer and I've prayed and believed God for the supernatural and I've seen God do it. And so what I'm saying is, is that we have got to take risks in prayer. We've got to remain fully devoted to God. And we have got to say, God, we want to, be, we want to receive your gifts. We want to receive your Holy Spirit. We want to be used by you. And Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Would you help us build a history with you, God? 
Would you give us these moments? And would you help us to do the mundane daily work? And, and really, man, that's, that, that daily work that seems mundane, as you develop a prayer life, that's going to become the most enjoyable part of your life when you do it. You'll never spend time with God and walk away and say, man, I wish I hadn't done that. I just wasted time. No, you're going to sense the peace of God. You're going to sense the presence of God more than ever before. And you're going to be strengthened and you're going to be encouraged. And you're going to have insight and revelation and peace when the rest of the world is confused and going crazy because you have a relationship with a living God who is in control of all things. So again, we want to build a history with God. We want to create a habit of prayer. And we want to take risks in prayer. So I want you this week to, to spend time, take a, an hour, you know, and, and, and devote that to God and say, Lord, I just want to start this thing off right. And I want to pray. Maybe even take a day and, 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 and implement some fasting into your life and begin to let that become a routine in your life. Let that begin to become something in your normal habit, however it works for you. But it's so important that we're in communication with God, that we're hearing from God, that we're receiving from Him, and then take risks in prayer and, and call somebody and pray for them. If somebody is sick or somebody's dealing with something, pray for them. Take a risk and believe God to do something supernatural through your life. Now let me just pray for you before we go and, 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 and just bless you. So Lord, I, I just pray for each person right now that's listening. And, and God, you know where each person is at. And Lord, here's, here's the thing. People are dealing with different struggles just like I was. They're dealing with addictions. They're dealing with fears. Lord, they're dealing with confusion. But God, we can call upon you. And Lord, you can show up and change everything in a moment of time. And Lord, you desire to give good gifts to your children. So we ask you, Lord God, to just pour out those good gifts on us and use us for your glory. We ask you, Lord God, to fill us with your Holy Spirit and Lord, I ask you right now to just invade each person's heart and would you give them, stir up a hunger, Lord, in their hearts for your word and for prayer and for devotion to you. And I pray, Lord, that as they, as they ask and as they seek your face, that you would give them perseverance in prayer so that they could build a deep-rooted relationship with you where they spend time with you, God, and then mark their life, God, with those moments where they see that answered prayer and they know, God, that you're at work and strengthen them, God, to, to go beyond to add fasting sometimes to their prayer, to seek you and believe you for greater things. And I know, Lord, that you're going to reveal yourself to them in ways that they've never understood or seen before. And so, God, I'm just so grateful for what you're going to do as we begin to pray together over the next several weeks and as we begin to cultivate and build a prayer life both individually and corporately. Lord, give us a grace to do that and do it according to your will. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're going to be praying for you. Uh, if, if, if you would like to, to, to get more involved in this, send us a message. You can, you can message me if you have my number. You can send me an email at clay at cohcf.org. If you have prayer requests, send us your prayer requests. But we'd love to pray with you. If you're more interested in creating a small group out of this over the next few weeks as, as we're changing things and trying to get adjusted to, to, to some, some form of regularity, please send us a message and let us know what we can do for you. But we love you. We're praying for you. Continue to be in prayer. And God bless you guys.